Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, everybody. It's Burgundy Radio, where the last time we talked about the Colorado Avalanche, we said, you know, we probably won't have another episode unless the abs make a big splash nobody sees coming. Challenge accepted, says Joe Sackick. I haven't done much in the last 24 hours as we record this, other than think and talk about the U.S. general elections. So here to help me get a mental break from that is, as always, Earl. Hey, Earl. Hello, friends. And Jackie. Hey, Jackie. Hello. So when we last spoke, the last things the Avs had done were re-signed to Chushkin Burakovsky, Jason Magna, and Sheldon Dries, uh, plus added a bunch of AHL forwards, and then traded Nikita Zadorov to the Chicago Blackhawks for Brandon Saad. Just so we all know where we are in space and time here. So, we, we good? We situated on the things that we have talked about and not talked about. Awesome. So the first thing we need to do here is talk about the new top four defender Sakic bot for a couple of seconds, eh? Colorado gives up their second round picks in 2021 and 2022 for, is it Devon Taves or Devon Taves? Devon. For, Devon, yeah. Okay, I never actually, I meant to look that up and then I didn't. I looked up a bunch of other details for the, for the things to talk about today, not how to pronounce Devon Taves. Uh, so formerly of the New York Islanders who had filed for arbitration, um, before we got that far, he signed for four years uh, at $4.1 million AAV. Talk to the people about Devontae since Lose Islanders are one of the unsexiest teams out there. So the guy ends up being a little bit either underrated or at least anonymous outside of the stats community. Yeah, this is I, this is an interesting acquisition in that it's it's something that points to um, the Avs analytics department really making a play for this or making their case to the rest of the player personnel department and, and the player personnel department being on board with it. Um, because he's not a, you know, he's not a big score. He is, you know, he, he's got a puck skills. Um, you know, he, he does have offensive tendencies, um, at least as far as the Islanders go, but, um, what people in the stats community really like is is kind of a lot of the things that they like about Sam Gerrard um, in that he is a puck mover, first and foremost. Um, he is the kind of guy that's not going to chip the puck out of the zone too much. Um, you know, he's going to want to move it up and get it in the neutral zone and then get it into the offensive zone. And it's a great fit with how the Avs like to play now. And... You know, it, it, it's it's kind of cool because the sexiness isn't there. It, it, this isn't a guy that, um, you know, would be talked about as sort of like, you know, really high-octane defenseman or anything like that. But it, it, what he does is very crucial to what the Avs do and, and kind of the way the NHL is going now. It was interesting to me that Getting him really was an upgrade. Like you always hear about it every off season that every team wants to upgrade or the abs need to upgrade on this or that position. And also with the sod trade and then this one, it was a clear upgrade that they managed to execute. So that's the part I really liked about this is that when they got rid of Zadorov, we knew they were going to bring in another defenseman and we were hoping just don't have it be like this year's version of Ian Cole, like just another bottom pairing veteran. You know, we were trying to talk ourselves into like Kulikov or someone like that. And 
they went out and got somebody that fits the right play style, the right age range, and somebody that is a legitimate top four defenseman. So those opportunities don't come around all that often. Also with the sod thing is being able to get a real top six forward, which I guess they're a little bit easier to get nowadays. You can get one on a one-year deal on the open market, but in general, you can't just go to the top six store and get somebody. Same thing. Can't go to the top four defenseman store and get somebody. So uh, we we talked a lot about yeah, and, 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 and go ahead. Well, and, and this is, you know, this isn't sort of a UFA get where they've just got him for a year or something like that. Um, th- you know, this is a guy they obviously targeted and want long term. Um, and the deal they signed sort of brings him sort of on the precipice of when players tend to decline, but he was a late bloomer, so you don't really know. Um, but this is, you know, this is sort of a long-term guy that they see, you know, being a part of um, what they're building. And, you know, it's it's not it, it's not a peripheral guy. This is this is someone they really believe will fit in with Makar and Gerard and, and and hopefully Byram um, over the next four or five years. So, um, if, we're, if we're talking about the contract right now, I would have to say. I like the term. I was maybe thinking three years, but four years is good, especially if he turns out to fit in and and play the way that they expect. So four years is kind of like what you would have to do on the market. But for a guy that they acquired, they definitely needed to get some term because he was one year to UFA. So if he really wanted to stick it to them in arbitration and could have just taken that arbitration award for a one-year deal, and potentially be looking at being a free agent. But this is also a guy that was only making $700,000 the last two years for the Islanders. So it was definitely an opportunity for him to get some security and to get some actual money paid for being an NHL player. Yeah. So I think they did well with that. The Avs always seemed like they were wanting to add that $4 million range top four defenseman. This is probably the guy they've been looking for for years not just this year when they decided to move on from Sidorov. So, and what I like also about it is they've finally maybe took advantage of the cap situation, took advantage of another team having to dump somebody. Like we know that the Islanders ideally did not want to get rid of Taves, but they just spent too much money on a whole bunch of overpriced third liners. And Oops. at this point, um, some cuts had to be made. We just saw it today with, uh, I think it was Pulak got, had the two year deal. They signed uh, their other top young defenseman, but only to a two year deal that walks them right to UFA. So it's like they, they really couldn't pay him anymore either. And so this was, this was a smart move by Sackick to finally use some of that cap space and that uh, advantage that they had to target somebody and to get some talent in rather than just spend it on bets. And so I like the direction. I, I like the idea. And like you said, the, uh, the analytics seem to have informed their targeting of him as a really strong transition player, which is good. It, it's, it's good to know that the Avs have finally figured out how to 
use their identity in a way to target players, like how they targeted Burakovsky last year because he's also a strong transition player. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's something that you know, if you go back and tell yourself five years ago that this is kind of the a decision and a process that they went through to acquire a player it you know it would be really surprising just because it, it seemed um during the wall era that you know it I, I know it wasn't actually the case but they were very anti-analytic i i think they they really you know they they did try to use analytics uh more than than they got credit for at the time but you know it, it seems like what what they've put together with um with Eric Parnas and um Dawson Spriggings that they really have <clears throat> you know a good core analytic department that is able to focus uh how they want to put together the team and it's just that you know that's just a concept that wasn't there along you know 4 or 5 years ago they definitely stole their old school moments but I agree. They finally, like, they've always known they wanted to, pl- to play fast. They've always been a transition team. But to get from that point to how do we acquire players to facilitate that is a, another step. Um, right. One other part of that is that Taze did not penalty kill with the Islanders. I guarantee you all he will be penalty killing for the Avs. Well, somebody's going to have to yeah, take Nikita Zadorov's <laughs> minutes there. <laughs> This yeah. is one of those where you sort of see, you know how they sort of look at anybody over 25 and they're like, oh, well, he's been in the league a few years. He can penalty kill, you know, and it, <laughs> it's it's had very mixed results. You know, it's like Colin Wilson can kill penalties. <laughs> no, he can't. Um, so, yeah, they, it know. seems like they haven't quite got to that point where they're targeting guys that have been strong penalty killers in the past. It would be helpful on that front if they did. Now, what encourages well, they got me... Belmar, and I, I think Belmar was a good get as far as uh, a penalty kill. I, I don't want to call him a specialist, but you know that is something he does, and yeah, something that keep he's fine there keeps him in the league. Yeah, um, you know, I, I I think what they saw with Matt Calvert on the penalty kill is probably a little smoke and mirrors, and and perhaps uh, <laughs> sort of the same with Cole, but um, yeah, they. Exact same thing. So, I mean, I don't want them to go out and get role players now because those would be the veteran third liners. So, I'm not saying I would have rather them go out and get a penalty kill specialist because we're kind of past that point now. But um, I'm encouraged, though. Well, I, I admire the. I admire the thought that they'd rather get a guy that has the characteristics they like, and they're like we can teach him to play the penalty kill like we like to do. And it's not something they do very well. So that's maybe not a great idea, but. Um, well, yeah, I know. was going to say that, is it, that it's I a good think, idea on paper. <laughs> I, I feel like he, he does have the characteristics that would make a good penalty killer. So that's yeah. why I'm not worried about it because he's smart. He, he's a good skater. He can read the play. It's probably just because of the Islanders and the way they just probably weren't ready to entrust him to do that more than I think well, he can't do that. Right. But everyone that says, Oh, he didn't penalty kill. That's not what he's going to do here. That is not true. 
Yeah, the, the, yeah. F- the theory is definitely sound of target a guy that you think fits your system well that you can turn into, you know, a, a second unit penalty killer or whatever if you need to. But it's definitely the execution from this team that you suspect is going to leave something to be desired. Um, right, and it's and it's not going to be. I mean, it's not going to be Taves' problem. <laughs> I mean, they need to do something. He's, he, he's going to be on the penalty kill, and he may or may not look good. And I, I don't think that should reflect entirely upon him. It may. I know <clears throat> they have to do something different there anyway. Like I'm not even complaining yeah. about it. I'm just saying, like, you know yeah. that they're. He's 26 years old. He's the new guy they brought in. Someone has to replace the Dorov's minutes. It's just, it's going to happen. He's going to be on the penalty kill. And he's probably not going to be on the power play. He might be on this. If they go 2D on the second unit, I know a lot of people out there don't like Gerard on the power play, but he's, I I think he's a plus on the power play. So if you can't even put him on the second unit, I'd be surprised about that. So yeah. I think that's what they're going to do is shift his special teams minutes to the penalty kill. Yeah, there, there's no room for him on the abs power play. Like, like Kale's a rock star and Sam's fine. Yeah. And it's and good Byron to have a third will guy. Also be quite yeah. good when he gets time. So, and I would not mind if they went to a 2D power play because they run know, it like one. They need to. I think they need right. to, but I've pounded that table enough. But I mean, it's, it's good to have a third guy because. Sometimes you want to put two on that second unit because there's not much time left or somebody's hurt, so you have to shift everybody up or whatever. So it's good that it doesn't have to be Graves. Or it's EJ. Have... Well, it's, it's, yeah, usually, yeah, it's EJ. usually been EJ. And, you know, I mean, that I, I, I do like having Gerard and, and EJ out there after um, a, a power play just because you tend to see the, the other team's first unit right afterwards. So, I mean, that that's not a terrible thing to have out there, but it doesn't do much for you as far as generating offense. I would rather and, it be um, Graves, honestly, than EJ, if you're at that point, as long as you have one forward whose job is to play very conservatively because if, oh, shit happens, Graves isn't covering it. Yeah. He's not fleet of foot. And we're gonna to get to Graves in a second. Um, so for for me, I, I really feel like this this deal was knocked out of the park all the way around. Uh, we have a uh, I don't think we're challenging conventional wisdom here for the Avs to go pick up a top four defender because you're always saying, oh, if the 31 teams want a top four defender, you can't just go get one. Well, the Avs just went and got one. That conventional wisdom isn't nothing. Like they've done really well to get this player here. They've got him on a deal that makes sense. And he's definitely going to help them on the ice. Like this is this is good all around. Yeah, I'm positive on it. It yeah, I'm not having the. It was good that they only had to give up seconds because we know they really don't care about seconds. They're not. But if the Avs turned either of two seconds in a row into an NHLer, it's amazing. yeah, Yeah, it's just my concern is that's that's what they would spend with at the next couple deadlines, and they don't have that. So it it. So now you don't spend easy. Done. Right. What you have available to spend starts to starts dwindling where it's like, you know, come on, if if you want to spend, you might want to try to get a pick at some point. But you know, that's a worry down the line. It it was good value, I think, for the ads to yeah. do that. Didn't have to touch their first and didn't really have to give up a whole lot. And well, I mean, and if your deadline is sort of a fourth for Nemestikov kind of deadline. 
um, you know, plus trading Callie Rosen back to Toronto for Hutchinson. Which is okay. Um, I mean, I really, yeah, I'm not that, big into that, the That's big the kind of line. deadline I can, I can dig. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, right. You know, hopefully you're, you're not needing to, you know, do major surgery in late February, so... A conservative deadline um, is what you want, because if you need a really splashy deadline, you're not good enough. Right. That means you're, yeah, you're so probably just hanging on to your eighth place there, so... So what you do uh, is you roll in at the end of the season, top two in the conference, and you trade Tyson Jost to a bubble team for a second. And now you got your second back. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, we'll get we'll get to Joe yeah, when we get we'll to see. him. But uh, we'll, we'll see just if one that's last something they learn how to do. <laughs> is is I actually watched uh, an Islanders game last night. I know yeah. i I figured out that the free games are still available on the NHL app. So whatever games were free, those are still available. So anyway, I watched a game in the Islanders, and just to. Uh, get a picture of his game. He really does play an understated game. And it, part of that is that dreadfully boring team. So yeah, we will see what he looks like when he maybe gets a little bit more of a green light. But, um, so I, yeah. I think the stats people have maybe overrated him a touch. I think people that have never heard of him and think he's like a depth guy are definitely underrating him, but I'm expecting a solid, if he's a solid number four, that's I think that's what they paid for. So if any more than that gravy, if he's just that, then that's kind of the value they're at. Yeah, I've been meaning to go back and watch the Avalanche versus Islanders games this year as much as it pains me to contemplate, but so bad. Um, yeah. Um he played both. He played you know, his average amount of minutes in both, played about twenty eight shifts, twenty one minutes in both. Um had an assist in the first one, you know, took a bunch of shots. So, um, you know, when, when things get dire and I really need to watch some hockey, I'll, I'll flip that on. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, on the same day that they made this trade, Joe Sackick was a busy bee. The team re-signed Ryan Graves to a three-year deal worth a little more than $3.1 million in cap. Before we talk about the state of the defense, where are you on that deal? Because for me, I'm pretty strongly against that third year. I'm not into it. It's kind of what I expected. Yeah. Um, I I don't think it's egregious. I I think it's a guy they believe in. I I think it's someone they've targeted to acquire, acquired, brought him along, and he's, he's worked out pretty well for him. Um. You know, is it great that that he signed for three years instead of two? You know, maybe not. Um, I I don't <clears throat> I don't see a way it's going to hurt him at this point. It it you know it, it might it might be a bit of a problem once we get closer to to the third year. I don't know. I um, mean, if I, I'm more of a Graves that's... fan than your average person, though. So <laughs> how far you've come? <laughs> <laughs> um. I guess what you're planning for is that he's a third pairing guy, right? I mean, you you brought in Taves to be a top four, and uh, you hope to God Byron's a top four defenseman, or else that's an enormous problem. So, I guess you've decided that 
Graves is going to be making $3 million on the third pair, which, you know, Ian Cole's making $4 million on the third pair. So it's not un- well, I, it, it, uncharted I think territory. Just saying third pair is, is kind of selling what Graves does a little bit short. And, and obviously, you know, the whole thing. Well, he is, wasn't, is that- but what's, what's the goal here? I mean, if Taves isn't playing to top four and if byram's not playing top four no 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 I, i'm not saying he should play I, i'm saying you know like having him with makar you know it, it worked out okay i guess you know it, it's it was what it was um but but i i think what you're looking at is is they kind of want graves to be sort of their penalty kill specialist and you know that that is worth you know a little bit more coin than than you might want to pay or uh, you know quote unquote third pair guy um and I know that they so, I mean, really I... don't have labels because of the way that they sh- shake things up and they shift the pairs and this and that. And it, it's a little bit more fluid than what people want to say. I mean, it drives me crazy when people want to pigeonhole certain guys. Like, he's the number two. It's like, I, on this team, yeah, good luck with that. But Yeah. You know, it's, there, it's very there situational. Is a, there is a third pair and... Really, you are projecting him as that at that point. I agree that he gives more than that, especially because he can play those minutes. He can play with Makar and do more things like that, which is good, right? So you want to have more, better people, more people on your roster that can play up than if everyone's healthy, then great. But just hopefully when they're done with Cole and they're done with everyone, that's it. Like they're not bringing in any more vets. We, everyone's, on the boat that's going to be on the boat. So this is their defense for a while, hopefully. So to get back to the point of Graves and his deal, I I just, it, we knew that they love him and they were going to give him terms. So he had two RFA years left. I'd been saying you have to pick one side or the other. Either you're, you're going to do just one year deal or you're going to have to go past where it just takes him to UFA. So it doesn't surprise me that they picked the other side of the fence. Oh, just because it's probably what they were going to do doesn't make me like it. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's it's a situation where I I think that I mean he, Ryan Graves was fine in, in last season. He he was fine. No, I'm not trying to say that he was bad in the playoffs maybe. Um regular season he was fine. Next season he'll whenever it starts, he'll probably be fine. It but you don't really know that for sure. Because you've got one season that's propped up by a little bit of smoke and mirrors and a little bit of playing with a superstar. So um, it's definitely the Nick Holden deal version 2.0, which we've been saying for at least a year that he's going to be get, be the new Nick Holden. <laughs> so it's 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 funny how similar those players are, how they like score from the same point. Although Graves is, is with a you know surprisingly strong slap shot, and Holden is by being extremely sneaky. Um, but I, mean, I, I think it is a pretty good comparison. And Holden's still in the NHL, so mm-hmm. it's not like he didn't deserve having a contract at that time. It's just was it, it really is almost the exact same situation taking an AHL guy, somehow molding him into an NHLer, but you know, he's gonna get overpaid and probably overplayed at certain points, but at the end of the day he's still an NHL player. So they probably should have just gone one year just because they could have 
and, and just to see, like, hey, can you produce those 27 points again? He didn't produce in the playoffs, so that should have been a little bit of a red flag there. And maybe down the line, they are going to – like, right now, yeah, the money's not that big of a deal, but in three years, could it be? And maybe you do do something yeah. with him. Maybe he is somebody that is tradable, which I know I always laugh and says, oh, you can just, if he's a problem, you can just trade him. And it's like, no, this team doesn't do that. <laughs> but he does seem to have some decent value in favor in the league. If he doesn't completely fall off a cliff, maybe he's that guy. Or maybe he's expansion bait because he does have good analytics. If that keeps up, that could be something attractive to Seattle. Yeah, I mean, personally, he does generate a ton of shots. I mean, nobody generates, you know, no defenseman generates as many shots as he does or, or he did this season. The problem um, is those shots are not being generated by the other players on the ice. That's correct. Yeah, he definitely took some shots away from a car. And yeah. Brantonen and McKinnon. Yeah. Kadri. Um, but... <clears throat> You know, you'd rather have to rein a guy like that in um, than to have to pull him back. And, it, you know, it's you get in a situation like if Zadorov was shooting that much, would you be much happier with how he, you know, how he played? Would you, would you be much more comfortable keeping him? No, <laughs> that wouldn't change. Well, my I mean, it's, if, if Zadorov I mean, had that analytics... dimension to his game, you know, no, he would be I a mean... lot more attractive. And I... Uh, when Zodorov yeah, is like, on his game, he, he is shooting that much. So I don't think the comparison really works. Okay. It would it would have I mean, made his fair. analytics look better. Okay, maybe he wouldn't have been like a negative value player in some of those models. So yeah, but for me personally, no, because his shot is so inaccurate. It it doesn't matter. I don't need a guy shooting wild. You're gonna lose possession half the time off of those kind of shots. <laughs> Dion so, <Phaneuf>. No. <laughs> big big Dion Phaneuf energy. <laughs> I don't think that's what I needed from Sidorov. And and you all know that I didn't I wasn't ready to kick him out the door, but I saw the writing on the wall. It was time. Yeah, I mean but, my problems with Zadorov have nothing to do with the fact he never generated any offense. Yeah no. Um <laughs> but my concern here is just they they've given more term than I think that I think is reasonable to a player that they believed in because he had a strong showing last season and they believed that, it, that, they, that he would when I guess there's some evidence that some of that strong showing is not going to be reproducible. It is a little surprising after Burkowski and got the two year deal at nuke, the two year deal that walked him right to UFA walked both of those guys to UFA. So I guess a little bit like that's the guy that you decided to give the extra year to is a little surprising, I guess, in that respect. I'd have the same argument if they gave the extra year to Nachushkin. Um Burrow is probably yeah. the better choice out of those three. Right. Yeah. But And why they didn't do it is that third year probably would have definitely moved the AAV up. So I get it. But yeah, it right. doesn't necessarily it, work in a we have this many years to throw around kind of, kind of way. So. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that he's the one that got the three years is a little bit, a, a little bit out of whack with the times, I guess you could say. It's a little bit unideal, and and if he comes out next season and starts to have some of that regression in the point totals, um, you're gonna 
see a lot of people look at that deal and go, boy, that's uh, $9.3 million for, for, for this, huh? So still not as bad as Comfort's deal, so No I that that's where we can definitely unify. <laughs> that that deal is an issue. Um so now overall to summarize the back end, instead of having a large Bowen Byram shaped hole in the roster, you have six NHL defenders and Eric Johnson, Sam Girardi, and Cole Devontae, Ryan Graves, and Kale McCarr. Obviously you're gonna have injuries. So now you're using Byram, and if he's healthy enough to play NHL hockey, Connor Timmons, rather than the Kevin Connaughtons of the world. But if you're looking for Bowen Byram's spot out of training camp, uh, where, where is it? It might be EJ being injured still, depending on how injured he, he may or may not be and when the season starts. Um But I, I just, I, I do think that they want to ease him in. I don't think... It, it, you definitely get the impression they just didn't want to give him a spot and say, well, here it is, sink or swim. Um, and, I, you know, it, it being a team that's a cub contender, it, I, I'm not sure that would have been incredibly wise anyway. But I, I think that how they have it set up is about as good as, as you can have as far as an opportunity for Byram to play some and, and you know, learn first. Um, before having to, you know, take on an everyday role, um, assuming he doesn't have one to begin with. I think um, there's still room for him. Like, sure, yeah. it was obvious that when they traded Zadorov and there was nothing there, but we knew that they were going to add another D. Like, Sackick yeah. even said it. Like, all the rumors were they're still looking for D. Supposedly, they asked about Barry. They asked about Shattenkirk. So we just knew it wasn't going to be just vacant. So the fact that they haven't added like an bet, so you could make seven with Byram, is helpful. But then you also have to think, okay, if everyone's healthy, does he play? And or would they be willing to scratch Cole or something to get him in the lineup? Or got you know Graves? Maybe they could actually scratch him. I don't know. But so I do still believe that there is an opportunity for him, which I hope so, because he's going to be a rookie no matter when you play him. They're going to be a contender this year, next year, the year after that. Like you drafted a guy this high, you have to let him spread his wings. Like you can't just, he's not going to be what you hope he is if you keep him in this box or you don't want to play him or you push it off another year. God forbid even another year, you know, it's just, you just have to do it. Like you want to get the, the talent out of this guy. You just, you have to play him at some point. And like the whole, Oh, we're too good for kids. Like that's no excuse. Look at Tampa. You know, they, the reason why they were able to do that is because they played kids and they weren't fourth overall kids either. So I hope the abs, this is well, part I of think the plan. You just, you have to work them in. You, you're going to you have to do it now or later. So you might as well just do it now. I I do think it's very nice that there's not a Mark Barbario, and that's no slight against Barb's at all. I, I think he's a great guy, but it, you know, having a Barbario or a Connaughton, um, you know, I I think they really showed how limited the value of having someone like that on the roster is uh, over the course of the season and definitely in the playoffs. Um, you know, what they've got now, they've got Byram, um, they've got Timmons, who you know from from what we hear basically he's got to prove he can be a little more durable 
and and he's going to have to spend some time proving that in the AHL, and that's fine because um, that's you know that's the question we all have about him. But they also picked up in the sod trade. They picked up Dennis Gilbert, or or I like Denny Javert. <laughs> I don't um, think he's French. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there's Gilbert and Burroughs. They traded Greer for. So you have right. to consider that they are willing to play both of those guys. Well, just they're they're what what it looks like is they're they're looking for a little bit younger guy with a little possible upside to fill these, you know, six, seven, eight, nine roles. Um, but they're you know, not I, the 300 I, game vets like a Canon. Right. So I agree. It, I agree with that, that you're, you're look. I don't think Burroughs has even played one game and Gilbert's had some. Right. And, and McDonald's had two. Uh, <clears throat> and I, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing McDonald having a shot if, you know, it comes to that. That that's a guy that that if they had to call up because of injuries and put into the lineup, that you know, I'd be excited to see what he could do in the NHL. So I I, I like sort of the depth that they've created. They've gone a different direction. It's not Mark Alt, it's not Mark Barbario, it's not Kevin Connaughton, it's not these aging vets that that really aren't going to add that much other than you know bodies bodies steady yeah. presence yada 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 um i guess you could throw anton lindholm in there who was in the the sod trade um well burroughs so is kind of old i don't know we'll we'll wait until we see him but right <laughs> and and you know if you're looking at the depth chart he's probably lower than you know just about all those guys he's probably the last one out of all of them um and that's i don't know the you know, apps like they're old guys they, they do I, but i do think you know a guy like Gilbert and and Timmons are probably, you know, a little more at the forefront. Um, but it, but it's you know th- this is a different way that they've put together their defensive depth, and I think it's encouraging. I think if if they really are planning for Byram, then then they've set it up good. If they're just looking for an, an excuse to kick the can down the road, I start to start to get a little worried. But we'll see. I'm I will remain optimistic until we see what happens with the team if there is even an ahl if there's going to be more of that small taxi squad that hangs around in between the nhl and the ahl whatever so there could be a lot of different ways that they set up their roster so that's some unknowns as well yeah that's uh, yeah we're not going to know that until somebody figures out how to start a season <laughs> <laughs> well, when they do, what do you think the pairs are going to look like? No, we're not. This gonna, is fun. We're not going to have that conversation. <laughs> um, I, I, I definitely want to keep it on uh, on Bowen Byram rather than what the pairs are going to look like because you don't know, and they're going to be different every game. Um, so one thing that we were talking about before the show um, is that an, an important piece of Byram's uh, season preparation is going to be in Edmonton. Yeah, I guess they've made some concrete plans with the World Junior Championship. They're going to use the Edmonton Bubbles. They're gonna, still going to have it on, starting on Christmas Day. Canada will start it on Boxing Day like they've always done. And they're starting a camp on November 16th where they're inviting 47 players. And it's, 
it's a month early, especially for those players like Byram who haven't played a game. And so they can practice and play inner squad games against some higher level competition. I think they're also going to try to get some youth sports games against other teams. Those used to be really bad, but in the last few years, they've actually brought in some of the top players for youth sports. So we'll see what the quality of those games are. But um, he and Newhook and Justin Barron have been invited. And even though Justin Barron's playing games right now, he is also going to leave the QMJHL and play in this camp. So um, it's good that they have something concrete they can do. And for Byram specifically, I guess if the NHL starts January 1st, which I don't think anybody believes anymore, then (laughs) then he might have a camp problem where it's like, okay, he's not at Avalanche camp. He's at the World Juniors instead. I mean, it's pretty clear that this is the choice, that he's doing this World Juniors thing. And if the NHL happens to happen, he's just going to be late. But if the NHL doesn't happen and they don't have camp till when the after the World Junior sends, which is like January 5th, then that's pretty much perfect timing. He can leave, go to Denver and either skate with the guys or jump right into camp, something like that. But um, this will be good for him. I think it'll be good for him going into camp, having played games, having played a high level competition too. So it it has worked out I think pretty ideally for him. I was disappointed he didn't get in a game. I think it would have helped him. I I think any NHL experience it just is so helpful especially for the young guys. So it's disappointing he couldn't even get into one and he hasn't played a game since March now. But um it's good that that he has something concrete that's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I I think in the absence of playing against men, this is probably the best competition you're going to be able to find as far as a season prep. And you you, you look at the uh, you look at the players on the Avs that have that have had some success in, in World Juniors, you know, especially Timmins and Makar playing together um, on the on the <clears throat> on their team a couple of years ago. I, I do think that the abs put a, a lot of weight on that as far as that's something they like to see their prospects do. And they do think that it's, it's an important kind of, uh, you know, maybe a transition to the NHL is, is really honing your skills uh, at a best on best uh, world tournament like that. Yeah. It's top um, competition. It's, it's exactly the, yeah, you're never you're not going to play games in that kind of situation anywhere else outside the playoffs, really. But and and we know that it's important to to Sackig that he represented his country and he had a lot of international success. So I think that comes from him as well. But I always say it's a blessing and it's a curse because it's fantastic when these players make those teams. It's so much fun to watch them, but the pressure and especially if there's no hot, no NHL going on. There's nothing else really in North America. That all, absolutely all eyes are going to be on them. And Byram is going to have a huge role. He was he was the actual number one defenseman last year. Just nobody that wasn't looking in the box score knew it. But he will make no mistake. He will be the number one defenseman on this team. And um, 
I think there's even a chance if Lafreniere doesn't get released by the Rangers, I think Byram could even be the captain because he was on the team last year, but he also experienced the Edmonton bubble. And there's few players on that team that did that. So he has the experience in both ends of the spectrum there. And, and he's always been known as a leader, a real energy. He's like, he's a big personality. So he gets the guys going. And so it's going to be a lot of pressure on him to perform. He's, he's going to have to produce. He's going to run the number one power play. If he's not the captain, I'm sure he's going to wear a letter. So it's cool for him that to have that, but it, you just always have to remember how how much pressure and how much criticism and all that comes with that too. It's super intense pressure, especially in 2020-2021, because can you imagine the narratives if Canada doesn't win gold and they don't have their favorite excuse of, oh, well, all our best players are in the NHL. Or it was yeah. in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> at least it helps that he already has the gold medal so they can't say yeah. that it's like all his fault or all these people's fault he he has the gold medal so he's he's crossed that hurdle but yeah it's just i always tell people just remember it's a blessing and it's a curse it's it's so much pressure and stress and and they're under the microscope and every shift is scrutinized and every turnover every decision but it's absolutely what he needs to be doing and we'll get him ready for the nhl tsn leading their segment with teenage boy makes mistakes should we murder them (laughs) (laughs) definitely wasn't the coach's fault (laughs) so you uh also have mentioned justin barron in this conversation yeah Yeah. barron's been barron's invited to the camp and He's, you know, as as you may have heard, he had blood clot difficulty that wasn't a genetic thing. It wasn't a, a Tomas Fleischmann thing. Um, it was basically just a growth on his arm, which he had corrected by surgery over the summer. Um, but he he has now rejoined his team on the ice in Halifax, and you know, it's hard to watch. Jackie Jackie's actually watched a game, so I'll defer to her on that, but. Um, you know, it, it, it's nice to see at least one of our prospects other than Nils Amon over in the SHL, um, able to play some games, um, out of the, the fresh draft class. Yeah. So it's, um, he returned cut two weekends ago and, um, yeah, I, I have watched him knowing that he's missed a lot of time. So he's, he's not amazing in the D zone, but um, he's the captain there, so you see why they rely on him so much. And he's he's really good from the red line in. He's he's not just a puck mover; like he is a creator and he's a playmaker in the offensive zone. So that part's really exciting to see. And um, and I'll keep watching. I'll try to watch him at least one more time before he heads to the camp. So maybe people don't realize, but even the QMJHL players, the ones that have games to play will also be attending the world junior camp when it starts on November 16th. So he could potentially miss a lot of those games for Halifax, but that's okay. Um, They will have a cut fairly early though. So if he's not in the mix, then he would get returned and not miss a month of it. But he's a, 
Right-handed defensemen, they've only invited five, and they can take 25 players, 22 skaters, and three goalies. So I think Canada already said they're going to take eight. So pretty much he, oh, he only has to be fourth of the five right defensemen to make the team. And he is a Hockey Canada favorite, so I think they're going to give him a long look to make the team. So we'll see if he's shaken off enough of the rust and, and such. But he's playing when a lot of those other guys aren't. And I think he has a decent chance to make this team. I, maybe people don't realize because he was just drafted and Canada always has a million options and even more this year. But um, if he has a decent camp there, I think he has a good shot to make the team. Same with Newhook. I guess we're not really getting into him because he he's not playing. He's just pretty much at Boston College practicing. I think allegedly they're going to start playing sometime in December maybe. But there's nothing concrete there. But he will also be at the camp, and he should be a really safe bet to make the team, even though there's going to be a lot of forwards, even Kirby Doc, which the Blackhawks have said that he can attend the camp. Um, but there should be a spot for Newhook. He's, he's earned a lot of favor and hype over the last calendar year, I'd say. So he, he all and also most deservedly so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he had a really good camp there too. Like he was a pretty long shot last year, but he had a really good camp. And at that point it was like, okay, you you know, if you want to profess that there's such a thing as merit and you can earn a spot and you have this camp and if someone was arguably the best player at the camp, but you still don't take them, then like what's the point? <laughs> so that's pretty much what happened with him last year. It was like, well, maybe he wasn't in the plans, but he was one of the best players here. So what are we doing? But but he'll get his spot this year. So those are the three for Canada at this point. Hockey Canada would never yeah, do something me. political. I know. <laughs> <laughs> they owe it to him. They owe it to him now. So he'll be there. Yeah. And that would be a really nice thing for Avs fans to be able to watch. You know, if, if the stars align and then all three guys make it, um, that, that could be a, a pretty special thing for for those three guys to to handle together absolutely so um you we've referred to several contracts and and new names that the abs have signed and finished up they i don't think they have any outstanding business left pretty sure everything is done at this point um yep one of the contracts that definitely deserves our attention today um belongs to tyson jost we need to talk about what the future holds for him because he signed his qualifying offer, which is a cool $874,125 for one year. If you consider Martin Kaut in the mix, which you better do that, um, by my eye, Joe should honestly be about the 13th forward and a prime change of scenery trade bait, like I mentioned earlier. I I'm very interested to hear what y'all think will happen and should happen because I, I don't think those are going to line up for me either. I think, like you said, they're pretty much business is done. They're set and ready to go whenever they have a camp. But if something was to happen, it could be Jost. So uh, I still think they're going to need to win a deal. I don't think they're at the point where they're at where Letus Anderson was traded for a second round draft pick. I don't think they're at that point. I think they could make that deal. They absolutely could because he has pedigree. He has good analytics. 
he's not a player that's going to hurt you. You you can dress him, you can play him. You're not in a negative by having him on the ice. So there is value there, but it, it is a matter of what kind of value and how much value. And the fact that he wasn't included in any of these trades that they have made to get more value back in the trade means that either that wasn't there or wasn't good enough. But if he's getting traded on his own, it's absolutely going to have to be a trade they win. And I don't see that being out there for them right now. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of called that he was going to sign his qualifying offer. Um, it Just because it, it just doesn't seem like... It, it seems like they're... They like him, but it's it's fairly tepid. They, they don't like him, like him. <laughs> he got he got squeezed. I mean, he really, honestly, he got squeezed for that qualifying offer because he had an he could have had an argument. I think I used Anders Bjork. I forget exactly how much that guy signed for, but it was it was closer to two million. Like, I think he got three years or something, two million. Like and and Joe matches him and beats him in production. That like. Look up that comparable. That's one of the ones that his camp would have used. And it's just the abs ran out of money. I mean, really, they did. They they used all that cap space up. They they're pretty close. Like they have they have space, but they also don't have twenty three man roster either. They also have bonus cushions to worry about. You're Not basically just McCarr, making the case any. here that they wanted to pay him more money and they just didn't. And that's what I, I, think. I just I just I mean I think they just saw you know they're like well you know what we don't have to pay this guy and he doesn't have any leverage so we're not going he to does, that's that's the thing is he doesn't have any leverage <laughs> right <laughs> that was the thing he he can't file arbitration I honestly think it's ridiculous that any RFA can't file arbitration that you can have a guy coming off his ELC, he played three years, he doesn't have arbitration rights, but a guy like Dries or O'Connor, because they so- signed their two-year ELC or one-year ELC as an older player, have arbitration rights right away, I think is ridiculous. But, um, but that, I mean, have- that was my main... That was my main case for him signing his qualifying offer is the fact that he doesn't have any leverage. I mean, well, he doesn't because if he wants to hold out or if he was like, you know what, I'm going to start playing in Europe and they would have just been like, cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Because, like, you know, he, I mean, he was barely hol- holding on. He got scratched in the first game of the second round or no, first round, whatever it was. But, you know, he was scratched in the playoffs for one game. Um, and I just think that. You know what? Whatever feedback Jared Bednar is giving the player personnel department about how he feels about Jost is is probably a lot of positive and a lot of negative all at once, and it probably evens out to to you know meh. Well, um, that was the first time he'd ever scratched Jost, so I think he does have a soft spot for him. It just was yeah, a matter but, of you you scratch I mean, him. I know he stretch. has to play next to JT Comfer all the time, and that's you know that's rough. But you know he he doesn't produce. <laughs> well, Comfort you know, not like Comfort has like a ton of points either. But right, but it, it just Jost doesn't move the needle enough that it, you know it would be a huge loss if if they had to let him go and or if he you know decided not to take his qualifying offer or whatever. I mean, it it just it's one of those things like he hasn't he doesn't make enough impact on a nightly basis that they're going to miss him. 
Um, no, and they wouldn't. And, and I'm not saying this is like one of the Jost haters on the internet that just like he's terrible. We should get rid of him and all that. No, I like his game. I think he does some things very well. Um, but it just he he hasn't shown that he can have an impact on the game very often. But I, right, I think he, when you're looking doesn't... at a, a team like the Avs, that this, you know, they're looking for guys that do impact the game on a nightly basis, and and it just, you know, what what have you what has he done to to earn? Um, some loyalty from the Avs on this, and it's it's just not much. Well, he doesn't doesn't have enough to have a holdout threat. That's for sure. Like they like no. him, but if he's going to hold out or go to Europe and sign there, it's just like, all right, <laughs> okay. But yeah, Sackick and his one presser said they were thinking of a two year deal for Joe's. So I, I, that's another reason why I don't think they were just that flat out, you know, it's the qualifying offer and nothing. I, so if certain, I don't know, things align, I think they would have been willing to pay him or sign him to a longer contract. But also for Joe's, there's no, really no reason to, to take more right now. The whole bet on yourself, blah, blah, blah thing. But it does make <laughs> him a little bit tougher in the expansion draft, because you have to be signed. Yeah. And so he'll be protected, basically, de facto. Well, it probably won't protect him, but it's just... No, I'm just saying... It's more like, difficult it, to select him, because he doesn't have the contract, and it won't count yeah. the, the cap requirement that Seattle has to take him, blah, blah, blah. But if they really wanted to take him, they can. It's just yeah. cause that's a reason why a lot of guys that are probably going to be exposed are already under contract for the 21-22 season is because of the expansion draft and it's it satisfies the requirements and things like that but the... yeah, I mean if they're, if they're looking at, at losing Nachushkin or Burkowski or someone like that um, and they know that they're going to be able to hold on to Jost fairly easily I, I mean you know it's they're going to lose a, a good player I mean that's just the way it is when you're when you have a roster full of good players. Um, but, you know, they'll, they'll still have Jost and, and, you know, maybe that's not that great, but it, it, it also means they don't have to sign someone like Nieto to replace Burkowski. Sure. It's fine. Is, if he sticks, it's not a like, terrible situation. Sticks around. Like I said, he's not a negative, but I guess at some point it does become the opportunity cost can be a negative. If it's Jost is literally the reason why Cal can't play or some, something of that nature, then you start saying, okay, then his presence does start to become a problem. <laughs> but him, him as himself is not a problem. It's just, I think he needs a change of scenery. Like he, his role just is not going to change on the abs. It, Maybe they let him penalty kill more, but their lines are pretty much set. They're always going to have that Belmare, Calvert line, and then there's the Comfort line. And whatever you want to label either of those lines, it doesn't matter. They're, they both have an identity, and that doesn't fit Joe's. Now, maybe when Calvert and Belmare, their contracts expire, and hopefully the Avs let them go, maybe they can redefine what those lines are, but that's also... He also has to get through another year and another season and to get there. And it's just, it does he feel like Zadorov now is inevitable that they, they're going to have to find a new home for him. I, 
I think they do. I think it would be best for him. I like him. And it is tough to give up on a 10th overall, but I just don't see anything changing. Like, the same eyes are looking at him, the same people he has to play with. There's just nothing changing. I said this last summer. It it was becoming apparent even two years ago. It's just nothing's changing. So I don't see why anybody... You can have hope that he's going to have this amazing breakout. It just... Maybe I don't it gets see faster over the COVID. <laughs> I don't see how it happens in Colorado. I don't. <laughs> He's tried everything to get faster. I mean, he works hard. He trains. Yeah. He, if he could get faster, I'm sure he would have figured it out by now. He just, <laughs> he just isn't. Well, especially now that we've seen a little bit of Martin Cout in the NHL, I, I think the opportunity cost argument just becomes that much stronger because, no, the sample size isn't huge yet, but it sure looks like Martin Cout is already at least as good as Tyson Jost. Well, yeah, and, and I mean, Bednar's press conferences talking about Kaut were all very positive. Um, and it wasn't just sort of like, you know, how he talks about Dries as a positive. I mean, this was you know, sort of detailed breakdown to like, you know, this is these are things that Martin does for us that, that we like. And, and, you know, this this is stuff that, that a young guy was doing in the NHL on his, you know, nine games that. We, we would have liked to give him more, but Joe said no. Um, I've looked, I've, I mean, yeah, if we're talking about Cout, I have, I've dug in every angle. I, his analytics were, it was a nine game sample, sure, but his analytics were super strong. The, the points that he created, you say, oh, well, it was three points. It's good, but not like earth shattering. But the three points he created were all impactful, primary right. or even. Strength points, you it know, everything. His first handful of games in the NHL, folks. Like, three points is fine. Not everybody's going to be Austin Matthews and come in and have a hat trick in their debut. And then right. I've and watched him, if we're talking about him now, about what he's been up to. But maybe I'll let you finish before I get into that. By all means. And it, it wasn't just... Uh, you know the points being impacted. It, it was things like being smart and covering back on a defenseman pinch or something like that. I mean, it's it, the way he thought the game. Um, you know, sort of was above his age, and I, I do think that's something that impressed JB. Because yeah, I think I liked him too. I mean, it was no surprise that he was brought in as the extra those last two days when Nemestikov was iffy and they didn't use him, and then him in the very last game because McKinnon couldn't go like it was no no coincidence that he was the guy that was thought of to bring back in in those situations because for for Jost you're playing a guy who as we've said a million times isn't gonna hurt you and but the the amount he helps you is questionable or you can get that roster spot to Martin Cout who doesn't appear likely to hurt you either and seems to have a higher help you ceiling yeah. Yeah, or at least a better fit. Like he might not score more than Jost, but the way he plays might be a better fit. And I think he uh, can score more than Jost. Oh, I do too. Well, <laughs> <laughs> sure, but I don't want people to think I'm high on him because I think he's going to drop fifty points or something. But because he's going to drop um, sixty, no, not just, fifty. It, no, I, I mean, I, I think hope... the, 
the word fit is a is a good key here. It's just the the way that Cout plays seems to fit better with the way the Avs play. I hope that that we aren't set up as a it has to be Jost or Cout kind of thing. So, so uh, that's because the way the Jost roster is... looks. Yeah. I mean, because basically everyone else has oodles of experience, and Jost was marginal on the lineup. So already, if they keep so... Cout as to make thirteen, and then they make. You know, maybe it's between him and Jost who dresses. It that's okay. Like Cout doesn't have to dress every night or whatever. But he really needs to be. I really hope that he's on the team. I hope it isn't about that. You know, there's always an injury or something. Like you think you have 13 and someone has to sit. It doesn't really happen like that forever. Yeah, 13 becomes 11 real quick. Yeah. So. If nobody someone ever talks about injury, little... so we, we have no idea what's going on anyway. So Right. It's... <laughs> we know <laughs> and... details of surgeries for Ben Bishop and Tyler Sagan and their recovery, trajectory, avalanche, silence. Right, pretty much we can find out EJ's not ready, we can find out someone else isn't ready. That's true, you never know. I mean, the way it looks like right now, they don't have a 7th B set. They don't have a 13th forward set. You hope those are taken by the ELCs. And they can't really pay more. But when people yeah. say, you know, you have, they're at a point where they have to use ELCs. Like, no, they don't. They have $700,000 bets in the AHL that they can play. Well, they could still PTO so. somebody if they want to. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Who and, knows who will still be out there. And Maybe there's Hoffman. names available. But let's hope it's not like Salamaki because I will go on the warpath if the 13th forward ends up being like I'll one of those signed. Unhappy. I mean, yeah. there's there's O'Connor as well in the mix, and he would be like the perfect 13th forward, I think. He's the perfect guy that doesn't need to play. He doesn't need to play in the AHL. You could dress him, and he'll give you energy, and that's great. But he he should not be well, just, before it, Cowd. Because Cal yeah, has I mean, even has if you're talking O'Connor versus Jost, O'Connor fit really well with Calvert and Belmar, and we don't really know if Jost does, but we probably we, we don't think he will. <laughs> yeah. So let let's uh, let's go ahead and wrap this by talking about what Buddy Cout has been up to. So he's like the traveling salesman or something right now. Like he. It's so funny. There's so many guys that have not played at all or not really looking for an opportunity to play somewhere else. But he's tried really hard to continue playing. He started playing in the Czech Republic, but they had a shutdown. And so they're actually going to start back up, I think, this weekend. But from what I read, that the Avs approached him about playing in Sweden, and he said that he would do that. So he's in Sweden now playing in the Allsvenskan, which is the second tier for Modo. But he's done pretty well there. He's played like three games. I think he has three points, two goals. So they're actually giving him top six minutes with uh, Florida Panthers prospect Hepo Niemi, if anyone's heard of him. He's actually a playmaker. It's like, oh my God, Cal gets to play with somebody that's a playmaker. It's like a miracle because that does not happen in the AHL. But... um. He just, he seems so determined to be ready for the Avs camp. Like, he wants to play so bad. And I think that's really good that somebody recognizes they're 21 years old and what's important for them is to play. And so, supposedly he was so insistent on playing in the Czech Republic that they did, I don't know why they didn't 
play there, but he insisted on it, and he at least got in a preseason game and four regular season games there. But I've watched most of these games, so I saw him in the Czech Republic and in Sweden, and he just has his game down to a T. He, like, four checks, gets the puck back, carries it through the neutral zone, take a shot, his shot volume's up. He, it was good in both Czech Republic and in Sweden. Like, he's he's ready to rock. Like, he he just wants to practice his game. He he's, knows his game, and he's executing it. And he'll be ready for Avs camp a lot better than some of these other guys that are sitting around. So that's another that's- reason why you really hope that he makes the team because he's the one putting in the work. Yeah. And it's worth mentioning, of course, that the Moto is Peter Forsberg's team and the coach is former Avs great Vili Niemann. who was basically, he was on the hot seat. I think they had lost, what, eight out of ten games or something. No, they won um, today and Cout scored a no. goal, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Go before Cal got there, they're they're kind of tragic, and yeah. You know, so he's sort of helping Billy Neiman, who I wasn't a big fan of, so I don't really care. But <laughs> maybe he gets to keep his job. <laughs> Martin Cal, the savior. Um, well, I mean, it's he definitely does have that drive to to make things happen. We saw that, like, even on his draft day when he was like, "Here, here comes this eighteen-year-old." Czech kid with not very good English who's insisting on doing this whole interview by himself in English. So, yeah, it's, he's adorable. It's definitely on brand him. that he's d- determined to make it happen, and uh, hopefully that gives him a leg up into training camp because he's playing meaningful hockey, and everybody else is, you know, rowing rowing weights in the gym. Oof. Yeah, I just I just really hope for him because I think I think he can help the Avs, and just please give him a chance. One more thing of note. The Avs signed their third goalie, and it is Hunter Miska. So, <laughs> barring a completely unexpected jump from Eustace Ananen, status quo in net. It seems like they're doing the same thing, right? That they don't have a real third. They're, they're doing... Kind of the same. Not only does it seem like they're doing the same thing, they are. They're doing the same thing. It's the same people. <laughs> the exact same guys. Except for so... back. So yeah, at least I guess at least Miska has an NHL contract at this point. Well, he was signed for two years, so you're look kind of looking at he could be the goalie they expose. At least he's signed; they could expose him. I guess they could also expose Francouz as well if they decide to sign Grubauer. But if they don't, they protect Francouz, and then Miska is uh, qualified to be the exposed goalie. So that's kind of a thing. People were kind of wondering, why did you give him two years? Like, you brought this guy in at first. He didn't even have an NHL contract. Now you signed him for two years. So I guess that's what's different from last year. But it's basically the same thing where Werner and Miska are a good AHL tandem. But are you really that confident in either of them to be the number three in the NHL? Which you've seen does come up and... I don't know. I think it's an odd strategy, but we'll see. Like, if they end up having this this taxi squad or this black ace group or whatever you want to call it that sticks around with the NHL club, that's probably going to be another goalie in that. So, will they sign someone then? 
I mean, God forbid, just stop trading for goalies. Like, you can sign <laughs> one. It's not like... It's, I don't, the goalies it's not were like the, the things that really flew off the shelves, though, in free agency. <laughs> yeah, like kind of. Okay, oh. we're talking about a third goalie. We're not talking about like Markstrom or something here. Like, no, but I mean, it's like, all right, the, it looks like the Leafs were falling all over themselves to sign Hutchinson as their fourth goalie. And stuff well, sure, like that, he so. won more playoff games than they did. Yeah, he sure did. <laughs> <laughs> That's sad. That's, that is sad. That's probably what his agent said. Pony <laughs> <laughs> <Tony> up. <laughs> So it just seems yeah, odd. It, it seems like the abs will need somebody else and they're not signing anybody unless something happens before the next time we talk. But is it the same thing? Like, what are you going to do for this third goalie? Like, please don't trade Sampo Ranta or something because you need to get a goddamn goalie. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So let's finish things off today um, with our big takes. Are you happy with the full off-season picture now that we have it? Did the team do enough? Is it a big brain situation where they did too much? Where are the vibes at? I'm happy. Yeah, they did plenty. <laughs> I think, like I said in the beginning, was they got real upgrades. They it got a top six forward and a top four defenseman, which is not easy to do. Um. They didn't add any veterans. They didn't add any role players, any third liners, any third pair defensemen. If this is it where they, they're done and they're they're not adding. Like there's no surprise nuke signing down the pike where we're like, okay, here's yet another guy to add in, which they, I don't even think they have money for that anyway, so that's probably not possible. But um not with the McCarr bonus cushion. <laughs> <laughs> Overall, I'm, yeah, think... I'm happy if uh, my full answer is going to be is Byram and Cout on this team. That That's really going to swing it for me. It, is there a plan for these guys? Is there not? What's what's the situation? If what they did still allows for that, then I say awesome. Then it's pretty much exactly what I wanted. If not, yeah. then I'm going to say what what is the plan for these guys? What are we doing? You know, there's There's still some uncertainty there, but from what we know, I think they did a pretty good job. They had a lot of contracts to sign. They solved the, the Zadorov problem. They made some upgrades. The money they spent was smart. They didn't give up a ton in the trades. So I, I'm happy. Yeah, and I, I think the, the roster looks a, a lot better than last year. And, and some of that is sort of like, all right, we know what Nichushkin is, and it, it's quite different than, than we thought going into last season and it's a positive um you know we're a little more comfortable with what burkowski means to the team how he fits in so i mean you know just re-signing him is an upgrade just looking at year to year let's um, also hope that all these guys that all took a step like like you said nuke and burkowski and graves and on and on that they don't all regress <laughs> <laughs> Right. You know, what what you don't want is, is everybody returning to sort of like a Don Skoy level. And, and you know, I, I, Donnie gets a lot of hate. Um, you know, I, I think he's fine for what he is. Um, but it's just, you know, he, he didn't turn out to be sort of more than we thought he was last year. Um, 
but you know, you look at the top six and you know, the three headed monster, we knew Kadri was going to be good, but um, adding Saad and, and knowing what Burakovsky is now, uh, that's, you know, that's pretty exciting. So, you know, what they've done there along with the upgrade, uh, you know, putting uh, Taves in for Zadorov and, and sort of having a handle on what Graves is now, I think what you will about him, you've got to feel better about him being, you know, in the top six defensemen than you did a year ago. But with um, that money, he will be. So right, feel I mean, better about know, it or not. Right, but you know he can do his job, um, which we didn't really know last year. So, um, you know, it, it looks pretty scary. Um, and and Steph, I know you're gonna ask about goalies, and that's that's you know we just talked about the fact that it's it's the same four guys basically. Um. I'm okay I, I, with Drew Bauer and Francois. We know yeah, that they I, I, were injured. Yeah. I was and, never down on Francois and ha- getting the confirmation that he was injured. He was playing through it the whole Dallas series. So I'm comfortable with them as a tandem still. So I'm okay that they I, didn't go out and pay. that Because if they paid for somebody, then they wouldn't have had money for either Sod or Taze. So it's kind of like well you know what right. what's the opportunity cost well i mean your main concern right now is sort of you know what what did happen with grubauer and obviously whenever i'm going to know but um you know is that something that it, it's sort of a varley problem that's going to be chronic um and if so that... maybe stop picking <laughs> up old capitals goaltenders <laughs> because there's something in the water here right and, and well, the fact that they they really Surgery the fact that they ended him. up, yeah, well, I mean, the fact that they didn't end up doing anything, even though they were rumored and making a lot of stupid goalie trades, um, <laughs> that does mean that at least he's serviceable. Um, and, and I think that's basically what, you know, all you need um, with this team. I, I just, I don't think you need to, to focus in on, on trying to get, you know, the best goaltender you can buy for, you know, several first round picks and ten million dollars a season. Well they just I, don't I, seem to want to pay for a goalie. Like they I, they I don't think they need like to. They have, I don't I, I don't think it's a good investment. Um I agree you know, entirely so, with Earl here. I I the abs could take a small step back in that all they need is a goalie that's fine. Just be fine. Yeah. That just fine. That's it. Healthy is a bonus. Yes. Um, Healthy is a strong bonus. Be durable and be right. fine. Give, exactly. Give me a good year I, of Craig I mean, Anderson. <laughs> right. I mean, it's just. I mean, you look at what Francis did down this the stretch, um, and it's like you know we we've seen sort of up and down from him, but it's like you can take a guy like that and he can win you games. So it's just you know you don't need Carey Price. You know you don't need that level of goaltending um, to be successful. I mean. They'd be in the Western Conference Final if they had goaltending that was fine. Just fine. Yeah. Yeah, so I think they're okay there. I wouldn't have made a big move because, yeah, it would have cost money or assets. and. Right, it was just the wrong year to do it. Yeah, that's but... the unfortunate part on the, on the th- goalie three thing is there's just 
the, the, the good options aren't there. You, you would have liked to see them make some kind of small step forward there. It's a margin move, um, ultimately, and if there's not a good option there, if you don't make it any move at all, you, you get it. But, I mean, we, we did see it play a, a significant role last year, so it's, we all know it's very possible. It's possible that Ananen could be the playoff yeah, number three. Because teams that really have a decent number three, those are their ELC number threes. That's true. It's what it really is. So either Werner hopefully is good enough to be a number three, or you could have Ananen come over, which could even be anywhere after March, depending on how long the team's in the playoffs. So he could conceivably be your playoff black ace goalie and well i mean march maybe the season starts by then yeah yeah (laughs) so right you could come over and be your number three waiver exempt goalie so So that would make his elc is going to count either way so if he's available you probably should use him right so i mean i i think they've set themselves up goaltending wise about as about as good as they they could have and, and done no harm, which is key. So um, the Avs last season were a conference champion contender. Um, they were a cup favorite, deservedly so. At pretty much everybody agreed that they deserved to be in that top four kind of conversation. So to look at the roster on paper and go, hmm, they got better. I, Earl said scary, and that's the word for me. This This team could be, if everything comes together... Could be scary. Um, yeah. And then if you find roles for Martin Cout and Bowen Byram, that just makes this offseason really, really, really strong. And it's already good, even if you do struggle to make Martin Cout fit, because you are always going to struggle to make Martin Cout fit. Um, it takes a step back if you can't find a role for Bowen Byram. But it it's starting from a strong, solid, if you're grading it, a solid A for me. Like, this is... The team was good, and it got better. Like, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. It, the, they're one of the few teams that can really say that they realistically upgraded. They got better. They didn't have to give up assets, money, give up other players, really. They just got better. Yeah. I mean, that, I, I, mean I think that's also key, is the fact that they managed to, you know, pretty significantly improve their team and they you know they didn't really lose anything um that that's you know that's likely to matter um so you know sort of give a shout out to joe for for some good team building as well win for joe yeah he's he's had two really good off seasons it's just the whole last thing is just being able to add those those pros, those high level prospects, because that's how you're going to get better from here on out. That you're you're adding that kind of talent level. You're adding first rounders to your team. So that should hopefully be the next step. Is when you're seeing Calvert and Belmare and Cole leave, and you're and you're adding those pieces that are for sure parts of your roster. Hopefully they get NHL games in some capacity so that they're they're already a foot ahead. But that should be like the next step to this is you've improved on the NHL level. Now you 
you've got to add in that that talent and that should only fortify them moving forward year after year. Yeah. I mean, this team could be scary for quite a while. Yeah. And and that's how you sustain the success rather than having a short window, which then slams shut and you become a slow old bad team in North California. Right. Exactly. <laughs> there should be no need to sign role players from here on out that you, you've set yourself up that you've, that you're bringing that from within and these guys even have upside. So if they're just role players, that's great. Cause you're not counting on more, but if they're better than that, if you find yourself a Sorelli, something like that, you find a second line center within your, your prospects that you're adding in, that just makes you even better. You then you get upgrades for free. I mean, I don't mind one role player, like having one Belmare and given what he you know, apparently does off the ice as well. You know, that that's that's the kind of vet I don't mind if they drop one point eight million on, you know, a year. Well, as long uh, as you're still doing what you're supposed to with graduations. Right. I mean, sure, we can I think a but, lot of people are gonna have a tough time letting Calvert go more than Belmare. Yeah, well they shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> but if there's room for that pl- in addition to you've made your graduations and those guys are getting the proper time. And yeah. sure, like, I'm not going to say blanket, never bring in anybody. But the most important thing from now forward is you have multiple first rounders waiting. Those are the guys that you have to be able to get on your roster. Well, shout out to Pierre Edward Belmar, whose family went for Halloween as the NHL bubble. <laughs> that was cute. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. <laughs> and uh, as for what's next for us, I think we just kind of go back into hibernation and wait for a signal from the NHL on when there's going to be a camp to talk about. Yeah. Apparently, we're going to get some info on the NBA pretty soon, which then you would expect the NHL to be able to start to solidify things pretty soon after that. NBA can function without, or without people in the arena a lot more effectively, so... They can get their plans in place a lot more easily, throw a little bit more money around. It makes sense that they would get a deal in place first. Um, the interesting thing with them is they don't have CBA. Where, where the NHL is a step ahead is they, they don't have CBA questions. Right. So. But the NHL always has to... <laughs> optically, the NBA can't be playing and the NHL not playing. That's, right. that's not going to fly is really what the situation there is. It also helps the NBA that they can put the Toronto Raptors pretty much any place they feel like it. But <laughs> but the NHL has seven franchises in Canada to figure out what to do with, and you can't cross the border. But I think it sets up okay, because seven is a is a good logical group to make a conference. Like, if it was four, that would be really a, a lot bigger problem. So if, if those seven just have to hang out together for a year... That's okay. I mean, it's still at least an actual conference division size, you know? Yeah. yeah well, well, if it was less than that, they'd have to bring them over to the U.S. and figure out something that way. So if anyone listens to our other podcast, so, 2A, where we talk more about prospects, I think we will have those shows. We still need to do our prospect ranking show. And we also, we have enough prospects playing that there can even be monthly updates. So, um, well, there you go. I've also been writing prospect weeklies because there is even highlights. 
for Avs prospects, and there's enough of them to make a weekly article, at least at this point. So even though we'll be gone from this show, there is still actually things happening, content being created, and all that jazz. Well, definitely check out um, what, what Jackie's putting out there. It's a, a lot of work and effort to track down some of this stuff. Um, so definitely uh, give it the eyeballs it deserves. Um, in the meantime, uh, like I said, once we know what some of the what which of the myriad of proposals they're going to end up putting into reality, we will be right here talking about what that's going to look like for everybody and for the Avs. And once there's a you know a, a structure for a season in place. Uh, we'll be here to tell you wrongly all the things that aren't gonna that that are gonna go badly about it, and then be proven wrong. Because <laughs> so I guess what happened with the bubble for pretty much everybody is we said, well, that's gonna fall apart, and it didn't. <laughs> so, um, thanks for thanks for tuning in, and in, in the middle randomly of the off season, which is in November now, and. Uh, we will hope to hear. You, you, hopefully, you'll hear from us soon. But obviously, we we don't know. Keep an eye on on the Twitter account at Burgundy Radio. Um, once we have something concrete for the future, you will know right there. And I think that's for, that's it for me. Stay safe, and uh, we will talk to you soon. Booty obviously is not playing either. Right, and Maybe the OHL. Baron and we can't Oman. touch each other. Ugh. Yucky. There's no way that's No touching. <laughs> I don't either either that's not gonna happen. He or, touched me. Ew. Or body checking's gonna mean like those big hits. It's not gonna mean like contact. A puck battle is more of a COVID risk than a than a body check. Like yeah, it's just a silly way to go about it. I mean, if even a face-off because you're sitting there just breathing and spitting on somebody <laughs> for several seconds. Mm-hmm. And then when the linesman doesn't drop the puck on time, you're gonna kick him out the bubble. Good. <laughs> Should be in like immediate puck. You're right. That's safety. Immediate puck drop. Yeah. <laughs>